It's a good morning to be here. Amen? Amen. All right. Um, my name is Tim, if I didn't say that earlier, and uh, I'm excited to be in God's Word today. Uh, if you're new to New Hope around here, just so you know what we do, we preach through books of the Bible, and, uh, and right now we are in the book of Romans, which has been so rich and deep, hasn't it? And uh, so I'd encourage you, if you have a Bible, we used to bring your Bibles with you. There's lots of apps, Bible apps. version is a good one that you can download on your phone. If you want a physical Bible, there's some on the other side of that wall. Grab one, write your name on it, it's yours. We want to take it home with you. Um, and, uh, and we're going to hop into Romans 12, and we're going to be in verses 3 through 8 in just a, a couple of minutes. Um, and, uh, and I have to use my time well because we celebrated a lot of baptisms, which means Tim can't preach as long, all right? So, um, but I do want to remind you, if you haven't grabbed one of these, this is our series guide, our reading plan, helps you throughout the week to spend time in God's Word, spend time praying, and, uh, and the things that you've been hearing about, even in the testimonies today with baptisms, that's where you meet God. I mean, one hour on Sunday is great. We get to gather together, but this is just a small snippet of the rest of the hours you have during your week, and we want to be able to be with God every day as He's with us every day. And so I'd encourage you to grab one of these on your way out if you want to. It's also on our app, on that mobile app with that QR code you can go there, on our website, mynewhope.tv forward slash Romans. It is all there, and if you want to get caught up, all the sermons that we've done so far in this series are also on our YouTube channel, and, um, and so yes, yeah, so you can get caught up in that. We've been learning through the book of Romans. The first 11 chapters were all about what God has done for us, and it is a lot, right? He saved us. He, he brought salvation to us. He redeemed us. Um, he, his, by his grace, he shows us mercy, that we can have salvation. He's given us all the promises that he has given from the Old Testament to now. Like, God is a great God. And the first 11 chapters are all about what he has done for us. And now in chapter 12, we're learning about, well, then how do we live for him, right? If you missed last Sunday, I think last Sunday was probably, if you want to know what it means to live a Christ-like life, last Sunday, you got to listen to the message. Go back and watch it. Romans chapter 12, one and, two, one and two life verses for me, right? Um, and, and I might review a little bit as we go through this morning, as we're going to be talking more about that. But just to remind us of what we also do is we want to memorize God's Word. That is on that reading plan. And, uh, and with it is Romans chapter 12, verse 1 for the first half of this. And then we're going to chapter, verse 2. So I'm making you learn my favorite verses. All right, so, so deal with it. <laughs> uh, um, but it is good, right? And so we're going to read this out loud together. Um, so let's, let's do that. Everybody ready? ready? Yep, okay. So let's read it together. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters... In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. We talked about that. It's, it's a life being offered to God every day. God, all of what you've done for me to bring me into salvation, it is a reasonable request for you that my life be yours. It's reasonable for what he's done to save me. Amen? And so, so that's what we're learning. And, and now we're going to be answering the question, well, how do you do that? How do you live a life where you're living for God every day? And that starts in, in verse 3 that we're going to get into. And so if you have your Bibles, um, again, open it to Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 3 through 8 is what our scripture is for today. And here at New Hope, when we read the main passage for the day, we stand as a, as a part of honoring God's word. So if you can stand, um, stand with me for, for the passage for today um, that we're reading. So it's Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. I'm reading from the NIV version um, of the Bible. So this is what it says. It says, For by the grace given me, 
I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. God, we're grateful for your word that you have not hidden yourself from us, that you have something to say to each and every single one of us. Very personally, you want to speak to us. So I'm asking, Holy Spirit, would you open our minds, our eyes, our ears to see and to hear and to understand your word today? I pray, Holy Spirit, would you give me the strength to preach your word? And we just thank you in Christ's name. Everybody said amen. 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 Awesome. You guys can have a seat. Now, like I said, I need to use my time well uh, this morning. I've given myself 30 minutes to give this message, all right? So too bad. It's not going to be 30. We'll, we'll shoot for 35. Um, so is everybody ready? I got three points and a poem, and we're going to have a blast. Here we go. All right. Point number one, just write it down. Seriously, we're jumping right into it. Point number one is this. It, we're going to read it. Take an honest self-assessment. Okay. The first verse that we're looking at in Romans 12, 3. So we, tw- one and two is all about giving your life, offering your life to Christ, right? And, it, and, it's a, and it's about learning about God's will, his good and perfect will for your life. That when we give ourselves to God, he wants to do stuff in our lives, and then we learn about his will for us, and we get to live into that. And that's a process of testing, Remember how it said test and approve God's will? Like we test it. We, we see, okay, is this affirmed or not affirmed? Is this the direction God's calling or not calling? It takes action to affirm something. It takes testing to prove its reality in our lives. And the very first thing that we see now after we understand that is to do the first thing, which is take a self-assessment. Where are you, right? That's what he says in this very beginning in verse three. He says, for by the grace given me, this is Paul talking to the church in Rome, and to us today, right? For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So he says, okay, we're giving our life to God. We're starting to learn how to live for God. And now this is where it all begins. This is the starting point of a Christian faith right here. He says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. This doesn't mean not drunk, okay? <laughs> I mean, that's good too, but like he, what he's saying is like, assess yourself rightly in a right and honest way. Assess where are you? Where are you in your life? Where are you in your spiritual life? Where are you in relationship with other people? Where are you? And then, then he goes into not thinking of yourself more highly. So you're thinking about where am I, self-assessment, and where do I think I am compared to everybody else? We, we live in a world that continually calls and challenges us to compare ourselves to other people, right? 
That is the culture we live in. Last week, we, we, the verse was, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Remember the jello molds, right? Anybody have nightmares about spaghetti jello molds with hot dogs? Like, that was a nightmare. If you missed it last week, you got to watch the sermon, okay? It's just not, all right? That's what the world's trying to do. It's trying to conform us to this world. And the thing is, the world's being conformed to it isn't looking more like Christ, right? It's looking more like what the enemy wants us to look like. And when that comes, it's, it's all about comparison, how am I compared to the person around me? That is what is being put inside of us all the time, is this constant discontentment. And it's hard to live with sober judgment about ourselves when we're living, being fed the lies that you need to be better than or get more than or be the consumer of so that you look better than other people. The land of comparison will never equal contentment. And so he's saying, take a self-assessment. Are you living in the land of comparison? Where and here's the danger zone, you are actually better than other people. Is that the way you see yourself? It's so easy to find people worse than you. Did you know that? It doesn't take that long to say, well, I'm glad I'm not, you know, <laughs> like, or I'm glad I'm not as, you know, like it's so easy to find people who are at a different lower level than we are. And that, that then puffs us up to be like, well, see, I'm not that bad. And that's, that's not a fair comparison. Now compare yourself to Jesus Christ. Oops. Right? Now we're on the same field. We're all like in the same place. We're all in the same boat. We, like we are not perfect. None of us are. And so he's saying with sober judgment, don't consider yourself to the people who are worse than you. Consider yourself to Christ. Because that will put you in a place of proper humility. Okay? Proper humility. And, and I want to define humility. When you think about sober judgment, this is humility. Humility is not thinking of yourself as more or less important than others, okay? It, we, we think about humility as, well, it's just, it's just like thinking less of myself, right? It's like, actually, that's not it. Usually, if you're thinking less of yourself, you're actually putting yourself in a place that God didn't want you to be either because you're going to start to live as a lesser than person, and you're going to say, well, I don't deserve that, and I deserve that bad thing, and, well, you know, I just, I think of myself, I'm humble. I'm like, you're not being humble, actually. You're actually, um, you're insulting God's creation, which is you. He doesn't belittle you. Why would you belittle yourself? That is a wrong view of humility. Humility isn't, isn't like always thinking of yourself less than other people. There was, a, there was a phrase that I've heard that it's like, okay, that's kind of like it. It's like when they say humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. I think that's a, that is a pretty good definition, right? It's where you start thinking about the needs of other people more than your own needs. And, and you stop living in the comparison trap. I'm telling you, the most confident person, no matter what they look like, no matter what they have, become attractive people. Because you wish you could be as confident as they are, right? That's usually what happens. Like, I wish I was that confident. Like, not worrying about what other people thought about me. Not worrying about, like, did I say that wrong? Or did I do that wrong? Or what did they think about me? Like, when you get past all that insecurity and you become secure in who God made you to be, you start to actually walk in humility because it's no longer about you either direction, worse or less. You with me? So when we're talking about taking a sober judgment of yourself, it's actually seeing yourself first through the lens of God, which is the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans. God sees you as his child. He's paid for you. He's paid for your sin. He's paid for your debt of sin. He's adopted you as a son or as a daughter. Like, he loves you. 
So when your identity is wrapped up and you're already loved and you don't have to prove anything to get that love, it's just there. The whole realm of like humility and pride and all that just disappears because you start being who God created you to be. Consider yourself. So he says, for the grace given to me, so we all understand that, say, um, say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Pride is a... Um, I don't want to say this. Someday I'm going to write a book on pride. It's going to be the best book ever. <laughs> Sorry, that was just a joke, okay? Was just, I'm just... Because honestly, pride... Is, is, is a root of all sorts of sin. I think actually pride is the root of all sin. I can't give you a verse that says that. Like when you think about it, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's not the root of all evil, just some kinds of it. Like, but the start of the love of money is pride. You, if you take any sin back to its core, it's, it's pride. Um, pride is what broke things up in the garden of Eden. The first sin was pride. I, I want to be greater than God. God's holding out on you. Oh, well, I want to be like God or greater than God. And then they ate from the fruit, right? It's the original sin. It's the thing that'll keep you from God. Actually, some of you are so proud that you are choosing to not accept Christ because you don't think you need him. And you think you're okay on your own. Pride, right? Pride is dangerous. And so when he says... If you're going to learn how to live by putting yourself on the altar to God, if you're going to live a life that's sacrificed to God, if you're going to live in that active, obedient worship to Him, it all starts with saying, but it's not about me. I'm not going to think of myself higher than I ought to. But with sober judgment, understanding I'm confident. There's a difference between humility and confidence. You can be humble and confident, right? I'm confident in who I am. I'm confident in who God made me. I'm confident in the gift of he put inside. I'm confident of all those things, but I'm not better than anyone in this room. That's what we're talking about. That's that sober judgment, okay? So you can be confident, but not cocky. The moment you start being cocky, somebody needs to punch you, all right? <laughs> we all want that, don't we? Like when we see a bully being a bully, we just want him taken out. That's ourself, like we want justice, you know, like, ah, he got it, right? But again, you know, that's not right. Don't do that, okay? That's just wrong, and I shouldn't have said it. All right, so, so sober judgment, thinking of yourself in a right mind, honestly and truthfully, take a self-assessment is the first point. And he says, and, and, and the last part of this was sober, in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. This is a complicated idea. You mean we all have different levels of faith? That God gives us different levels of faith? And I'm going to answer that question by saying, yes, he does. And that is okay, right? Uh, and we can't get into comparison to one person's faith to somebody else's faith. We're all on our own faith journey, right? We're, we're all, we, God has given us a certain amount of faith to do what he's called us to do where we're at, where we're at at the time. And um, like you think about, um, I, I mean, I think about this. Um, like I've got friends that, um, that left everything in the United States to become missionaries in Japan. And they have like three young kids. I'm like, your faith is different than mine. If God told me to do that, would he give me the faith to do that? I would hope so. 
but he didn't give me the faith to leave everything and move to another country with a language that is so complicated and difficult that I don't even know if I could learn it with signs and, and like trying to just get around. Like, they have a different faith than I do. Does that make sense? Like me and Billy Graham. I don't know if you've heard of this guy named Billy Graham. Like millions of people are in heaven because of his ministry for generations. God gave him a different level, distributed a different level of faith to him than he did to me. And do you know what? That's okay. That's up to God to decide. He's given me enough faith to do what I'm doing today. And that's all I need to be confident in. I can't compare my faith with somebody else's faith and be like, I wish I had their faith. Live into your faith. So he says, take a self-assessment, be assured and confident in who God made you to be and the level of faith he's given you. Walk in it. Every day, start living into that. Okay? You all with me? Yes. Okay. I'm going to move on because I don't have time. Here we go. Point number two. We are not created to be spiritual consumers, but to belong as useful members of God's family. That's a long one, okay? Fill in the blank on your thing. We are not created to be spiritual consumers. We're going to read the passage in, in a minute. But we're called to belong as useful members of God's family. Let's read verses 4 and 5. This is what he says. So, so can, think of yourself in a right way, um, with humility, with the level of faith that God has given you. For just as each of us... Um, has one body with many members, so he's talking about us physically, and these members do not all have the same function, right? My eyes don't do the same thing that my ears do. My tongue doesn't do the same thing my nose. That'd be weird. Tasting, like shoving things in your ear to taste. Anyways, like, right? Like each part has a purpose and it does what it's supposed to. That's the way our physical body is, is made up. So in Christ, we, all of us, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Do you hear that powerful last sentence? My eyes belong to my ears. My nose belongs to my mouth. Like, it, this whole thing belongs together. Since the same thing in the body of Christ. If you are a Christ follower in a local church body connected to it, you belong to every other part of that body. Amen. You don't have to be alone. Actually, you're not supposed to be alone. Going it alone becomes an amputated part of the body. Right? If, you, if I amputate, amputate, amputate my arm and throw it you know, to the curb, is it any use to me any longer? Nope. No. Do you know what it has become? Dead meat. A part of the body detached from the body becomes dead meat. You're an easy prey to the enemy's work in your life because you no longer are doing the thing that you're supposed to do in the body you're connected to. And the enemy says, that's the one I'm going for. The one that's by themselves. Right? He says, that's not how it works. That's not what we're called to do. We're not, we're not created to be spiritual consumers. Let me talk about consumerism for a moment, okay? Well, two things, consumerism and loneliness. Number one, I'm going to talk about loneliness. We went through a pandemic, right? Everybody remember that? Now, the thing is, there's a pandemic after the pandemic, and it doesn't have to do with physical illness. It's mental and emotional health issues, right? That's, that's where we're at right now, and it is at pandemic levels, that people are going crazy. And, and uh, the thing that we're seeing across the board in the studies I've seen is that loneliness is on the rise like crazy right now. People are lonelier now than they've ever been, which is crazy to think about because they're more connected 
virtually or digitally than they've ever been in any point of history, and yet loneliness is on the rise. What is going on? It sounds like the work of the enemy to me. He's having a heyday with people being disconnected from other people. And when we're left to ourselves, typically we don't become the best version of ourselves. We become the worst version of ourselves. That's not supposed to be, especially if you're a Christ follower and you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. But you still think, but I don't really need other Christians. You're wrong. You're just point blank wrong. You're biblically wrong. The Holy Spirit says, no, you belong to the other parts of the body. You, you shouldn't be lonely. You should be connected. And connected, and when you're connected, you become useful. Um, I, I think that we've created a culture from probably from the 80s up through the 2000s, the American church culture really became a consumer-driven culture inside the church. It just followed the way the rest of the culture was going because we are a consumer-driven society, right? We, we live to fulfill two main um, needs, honestly, that you are being thrown at every day, things that are going to fulfill these two main needs, and those two main needs are comfort and happiness. Everybody's trying to sell you comfort and happiness, right? Even in, like, laundry detergent. I'm like, oh, it's not, it gets your clothes clean, it's like smell, and now you're happy. Right? You've seen the commercials? They're selling you happiness, not clean clothes. Like, that's what marketing does. Remember the conforming to the world? That's what the world's trying to conform your mind and your habits to what they want you to do. That is what the world is trying to do, the pattern of this world. And the, the problem is the church in America, really over since the 80s, 90s, 2000s, just bought into that lie to where church became a consumer sport. I go to church, I consume spiritual things, and then I leave. And then I come the next Sunday, consume spiritual things, and then I leave. And then I consume spiritual things, and then I leave. And they're wondering, well, I'm not feeling what other people are feeling. Because you're not actually living to the purpose God put in you. He didn't make you a consumer. The world did. He made you a member of the body of Christ. And he put you in that body for a purpose, on purpose. So whatever church you attend, whether it's New Hope or any other church, my question is, as a Christ follower, if you're a Christian, how are you belonging? Not how, where are you going, how are you belonging? So in Christ, we though many form one body. We are one body. I happen to think New Hope is a good body, right? And each member belongs to all the other. You belong not just to yourself, but to the person next to you. And the body is designed um, to function into God's calling. And it's not our own comfort and happiness. That's not the main point. It's our holiness and God's righteousness. And then we go on this journey to look more and more like him. And the more you're connected to the body, the more you look like the whole body. And the more the whole body looks more like Christ, we all look like more like Christ. And we all do it belonging together. This is God's dream for his church and the way he wired it. So think of yourself in the right way. Take an honest assessment of, am I living in humility and confidence? And am I connected to and belonging to the body of Christ? Or do I think of myself a little better than, am I just consuming spiritual products? 
Christianity is not a solo sport. Here's the reality. You matter. You are not alone. If you feel lonely, get connected. There's lots of ways to do it here at New Hope. Find some people. Find some buddies (laughs) to connect to. You can belong and you can be connected to the body of Christ. Okay, I have to keep going. Man, is this... Okay, point number three. I said three points in a poem. All right, here we go. (laughs) Point number three is you you have spiritual gifts and are called to use them in the church. This is where he goes next. He says, you belong to the body, and now that you're attached to the body, you're in the body, you've been given some things by the Holy Spirit. This is amazing. Like God has given you, as a Christian, spiritual power. He's given you something that is for you to use to bless the church body you belong to, and it's supernatural. It's not a natural talent. It's not like, well, I'm good at, you know, painting. Awesome, paint. Like, do it. Enjoy it. You know, I'm good at playing guitar. Woo! Play guitar. Rock out. You know, have fun. Whenever you use something that's spiritual, it is beyond just, wow, that's pretty. It's, whoa, God just did something in me because of what you did. There's a spiritual exchange that happens when you use what God has given you. That is what spiritual gifts are. Oh, do I have an hour more? Like, can I have an hour? I don't have an hour more. Let's just read it. Here we go. It says this, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Do you hear that? We all have different gifts, and it's according to what God wants to give us. It's the grace. It's kind of like that whole from the, um, that first verse, right, that, that God has distributed, distributed his faith. Like we have different levels of faith. We also have different kinds of gifts according to what he wanted to distribute to us. And you can't compare one to another. They're all unique of what he gives. He says, so it's been given to us by his grace. If your gift is prophesying, then do it, right? Then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. He says, if it is encouraged, uh, to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. What's the point? If you got one, use it and do it. Don't sit on it. Like you belong to the body. I've given you a gift. Use it. Be a part. Don't consume. Be a belonging member and be productive and use the thing I have given you. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says it this way. Now, to each, of the, uh, to each one, all of us in Christ, the manifestation of the Spirit, so the Holy Spirit of God, which is God himself, part of the Trinity in us, giving us the gifts, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for what? The common good. It's not for your good. It's for the common good. It's for the body's good. Because all the gifts God has given, there's, I don't have time to really get deep into this, okay? Because you can read Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4. Those are the biggest lists of the spiritual gifts that we see in Scripture, right? There's at least 21 spiritual gifts that are listed. Um, and to understand how each one functions... I don't have time to do that. So this is what I want you to do. Grab your phone and scan this QR code, okay? Or write down this website. Um, We actually, I've done a full teaching on all the spiritual gifts. Uh, We've done it here on a sermon series a long time ago. Um, And then I did it just for an online study that we actually use for Equip. Equip is our 12-month cohort experience, okay? 
And, it, and through Equip, you'll go through this. So if you want to go through Equip, you can cheat and get ahead, all right? Just go through the spiritual gifts. My New Hope TV uh, forward slash spiritual gifts. And, um, and it's, it, goes, it should go straight to a YouTube playlist of all the videos, okay? And there's a download link in the uh, information. So I'm waiting for some of you. I'll leave it up there for a little bit, okay? So in this teaching, um, in this teaching, uh, I go through all the spiritual gifts, how they work, how they function. But today, I just want you to understand really quickly the three big categories that we teach on, okay? And, and that each one of these kind of filter down into. And these three categories are the love gifts, the word gifts, and the power gifts. Now, there, it doesn't say this in Scripture, but it's a good way for us to just organize it in our mind. The whole point, and this is going to show us the whole point of why God has given us spiritual gifts, okay? Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4. The love gifts are there to manifest the very love of God in a very practical way. You think about the love gifts. He, he mentioned the gift of mercy. If you have the gift of mercy, show mercy. That would be a love gift, if, if, you're, if somebody's going through a very difficult, hard time and you have this, this sense to show like empathy and mercy to somebody and when you're beside somebody and showing them that gift of mercy, the Holy Spirit shows up for that person in a very personal way for them to experience that mercy from God, not just you. It's when God uses us to do supernatural things in relationship. That's a love gift. Does that make sense? And so I'm not going to go through all of them, but the whole point of a love gift is that God wants to show his love in practical ways, and he chooses to use us to do it. He could do it all by himself, but he says, no, the church is my body. They represent heaven and me, and they're going to be the ones that use these gifts. Now, there isn't any one person that has all the spiritual gifts. The only person that walked this planet that walked in all the spiritual gifts was Jesus himself. And if you want to read about Jesus through the Gospels, you'll see how he used the spiritual gifts. It's actually a pretty cool study if you want to do that sometime. So that's the love gifts, those type of gifts. Then you have the word gifts. The word gifts, kind of like what I'm doing right now, teaching, like I teach, right? The word gifts, they clarify the nature, action, and purposes of God, usually by words, right? It's, it's a teaching, it's, it's, it's speaking, it's ex- exhortation which exhortation is a word gift where you exhort people, like encourage them in God's word and, and bless them. It's, and God wants to say something to his people and he uses these gifts to say it. Just so you know, I should not be a good teacher, by the way. I am not, I do not have the credentials, okay? If I confess to you, Tim's never been to college. The things I know about the Bible are because I've studied the Bible, and just, you know, I have a hard time reading. I'm dyslexic, and I hate it. And I have to, every week, study and study and study and present this to you. That's my job. <laughs> I'm telling you, the only reason is because God does what he wants to do using a gift that he's given me. That's the only reason. It is nothing in my own ability. Okay? That's what happens when God gives a gift. And the thing is, all the gifts have equal power. There are none that are like, that one's better than that one, and this one's better than that one. No. They are all needed in the body of Christ. And we all need to function. So that's word gifts. It's God revealing himself through words to the body of Christ. And then there's the power gifts, which are typically the most controversial in churches. 
The power gifts, and this is what the power gifts do. They reveal the power, presence, and work of God right in the moment. So these are gifts like the gifts of healing or gifts of prophecy, which is kind of a word gift, but it really functions more as a power gift because when you think about these kind of gifts, they're speaking in tongues. You're speaking in a language you don't understand what's coming out of you, and there needs to be an interpreter if it's a tongue of angels, but if not, you're speaking a language that you don't know, but so someone else can hear the gospel. Like, these are gifts that are like, God, you're wanting to do something right now in this mist for your pur- purpose. And when these gifts show up, there's, there's no doubt God wants to do something right here. And he wants to reveal the power and his presence and his work in that moment. Here at New Hope, just so you know, we believe all these gifts are still available and functioning today in the body of Christ. And I have seen them in our church body functioning in the body of Christ. Now, here's the thing. Just so you know where we stand, especially when you get into the power gifts, some churches go way far one way and they think you don't have the Holy Spirit unless you have this specific gift. And I don't see that in Scripture. Okay? Or you swing the way the other way, which is none of these power gifts, are, we don't need them anymore. God doesn't need to heal anybody anymore. God doesn't need to reveal like, specific you know, prophecies to an individual to speak into it. And that's way far the other way. Okay? And for us, we don't live in this land of terminology. We just live where the Bible is, which is somewhere in the middle. We see that all these gifts function in the body of Christ. And, and when you get to ones that are like, I don't understand it, we do it in the way that biblically tells us to do it, which is in community, done with spiritual authority present so that there can be clarity. And none of it's ever done in chaos, right? It's always done for the common good and the edifying of the body of Christ. And so when we see all these gifts, all of you, if you're a Christian in this room, have been given a gift. And, and the question is, are you using it? Or maybe do you even know what it is? That's where a lot of people are like, Tim, I, I don't even know what it is. That's why we create what we create here at New Hope called the growth track. Your very first step here at New Hope is for us to help you find out what that is. And, uh, and we want to open that opportunity for anybody to go through that journey to start to figure out what is your spiritual gift. There's assessments that we give. There's tests that you can take that kind of give you an idea. I call it a litmus test. It's kind of like an idea of what gifts you might be given. And, um, and in growth track, you learn about our church. You learn about how to grow spiritually. But in 301 Discovery, is about discovering your spiritual gifts and your passions and those things that God has put in you. And when you discover those things, we want to empower you to use it, Right? And this is that part of now start testing God's will. Assess yourself and then test it. God, I feel like I might have this spiritual gift. Okay, start using it and see what happens, right? If your gift is encouragement, start writing encouraging notes to people that you see that are sad. And then ask them, did God say anything to you? And you'll probably hear, yeah, you have no idea what God spoke to me through your note. That's when you know it's a spiritual gift. It's when God shows up using it, right? Or whenever, like the gift of service is, is a big deal. If you have to get the service, you typically like to be in the behind the scenes. Like, I don't want anybody to even know what I did. I just, I got it done. That work got done. And it was, maybe it's busy work, but it needed to be done. And people notice when it's not done, but when it's done, you just feel the sense of, thank you, God, for letting me do that. And God says, yes, I'm using it. And you don't even know how I'm using it, Right? 
That's what happens. I'm way over time. Dadgummit. All right. So here's my encouragement to you. If you don't know your spiritual gifts, if you have not belonged, if you, haven't, if you don't belong to a church, if you are a Christ follower and need connection, like I said, growth track is your first step that, of that here at New Hope. And I would encourage you to sign up for the next one here in August or in September. We do it every month, okay? We take a little break in the summer, but we do it every month because we want people to walk down that journey and in that path to find how God has wired you, how you can belong, how you can grow spiritually, how you can stay in the right proper mind of humility and confidence in God's wiring in your life. And that's our desire for you here at New Hope. That's what we want for you. So I'm gonna, let me just take a moment to pray as we just take some time to respond in this. God, thank you for your word and we thank you for the truth that you've given us. We thank you today, God, that we got to celebrate so many baptisms and stories and testimonies of people who belong to the body of Christ and uh, just encourage us again to remind us of those testimonies this week. I know that the testimony of Christ crushes Satan's head because it is the, it is the story of victory Remind us of these stories of victory so we can continue to walk in victory in our own life, God. Today, as Christ followers in this room, God, I pray that you would help us to see ourselves in a proper view with humility but confidence. We rest assured, be rest assured as a son or daughter of, of the Most High King and to live to serve and belong in the body that we are connected to. I pray, God, for those in this room who have not taken that step yet, would you call them by name? I don't want to end this sermon without giving you an opportunity if that's you. If you don't know Jesus, and today God was speaking straight to your heart, and he is calling your name, and you know it. There's something in your soul that's like, this is different. He's leading you to salvation. He wants you to be his son or daughter. But that only happens when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Not somebody else's, your sins. That he paid the penalty of your sin on that cross. And then he died, but he rose again. And he is alive. And you confess that and say, come into my heart. He will come into your heart and you can be saved. You can stop belonging to the world that's conforming you to something that's never going to fulfill you and belong to the thing that God had put in you. And if that's you, I'm going to ask right now, would you pray? Would you make that confession in your own life? And you can say it like this. I always say that there's no magic word of the pastor that gets you to God, but it is your own confession. And if that's you today, I would encourage you to not leave this church until you say it, until you confess it. And you can say this, say, God, I believe in Jesus Christ and that he is your son and he died on the cross for my sins to pay for my sins. I'm asking, would you forgive me of my sins now and forever? Because I want to be alive just as Christ is alive today. And I want you to live inside of me and your spirit to be inside of me and to have a relationship for now and forever with you. So give me your spirit and give me your peace. Save me, God. And I just ask this in Christ's name. Amen.